Welcome to the Yom Yun podcast where we analyze Agudos from Shas. We are in Maseches Kedushin, tractate about marriage and appropriations. We're on Chav Testament Bays, 29b, two thirds of the way down the page, the third wider line. Tunar Abundan. So the Gemara, the Bryce is talking about who has priority in the support of learning Torah. You should try to make it your son, but if you are a greater sage or more adept at studying, generally it is you. Kihad the Rav Yaakov, like the story of Rav Yaakov, who was sent away to Yeshiva, Barei the Rav Achabar Yaakov. He was the son of Rav Achabar Yaakov. Shadrav So his father, Rav Acha, sent him, Rav Yaakov, to Abaye's academy, his Yeshiva. Kiasa, when he came home, Chazaya, his father Rav Yaakov, saw the Lohavamich Dadin that he was not sharp in his learning and his teaching over, giving over the material. I am greater than you. You stay here. Dwell here. I will go and study. Shama Abai de Kahava Asi Abai heard that he was coming to learn. And it happened to be Havahumazik, there was a damager. In other words, a demon. Bay Rabbanan, it was in the study hall, the base Medrash. The Abai, the Bay Rabbanan de Abai. It was in the Rabbinic Academy of Abai, but it wasn't in the dorms, it was in the, like the study hall. The Chihava Aili betrayed, even when they went in pairs together. I feel it'll be a mama. Even during the day, they would become damaged. Normally, going out in pairs, going through the day, these all ward off the demons. Armalahu, Abai said to his entourage, Lo, Lisible, don't invite him to live to stay with you in your homes. Lo, Lisible, Inish. Don't invite him to be a guest in your home. Ravacha. It's possible that a miracle will happen to us. Ravacha will come in the yeshiva and the demon will be miracled away. Ravacha went in and he slept overnight in that. So this damager appeared to him as a serpent with seven heads. It was some sort of male serpentine medusa. My goodness. But every time Ravacha bowed down, one of the heads fell off. Upon the morrow, the next day, Abai said to him, if it hadn't um, been that a miracle was made for us, we would become endangered. Endangered. Why did this particular demon come? And why is it banished through bowing down? Very interesting. So, Ravaka Bar Yaakov, Amora, third and fourth generation, he was a leader of Papunya. He taught Torah in charge of the spiritual affairs of the city. 
Uh, he also had an encounter with the Satan. When Ravacha uh, taught that both the Satan and Panina acted with good intentions, the Satan came and said that he appreciated that. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Not every day the Satan himself comes to uh, comes to visit a person. So he had extreme piety, extreme Torah knowledge. He understood the nature of the Satan. The nature is oppositional messages of the Itzahara. I believe what was happening is that the Rabbanan in the Beis Medrash had some sort of character defect, like arrogance. And even when they go together, they couldn't cajole each other into fixing it. They couldn't work on each other into fixing it. If you remember from the Ishbi Benu of Gomorrah, the mushal of Dabin Melech and Avishai working together to defeat Ishbi Benov is that alone we cannot solve our own problems, solve our own problems, but together with other helpers, other Jews, we are able to defeat the Yitzhahara. So this, this Yitzhahara that they had, whether it's arrogance or whatever it was, self-deprecation, they were not able to fix it, but they had Hashgach Apratis had it, the miracle had it, that a great Rav came and taught them the solution. Bowing down is a form of humbling oneself. The demon had seven heads. So the head is the brain. It's the seat of the intelligence, also seat of the seat of the arrogance. Seven is a basic number of it's a, it's a basic number of a unit, a simple unit, a steadiness, a steadiness of a completion behind it. And in the sphero sense, which is really the same thing as I'm saying there, Malchus, seven. The problem had, a, had the Bechina of Malchus. It was so strong, it was dominating them. So Ravacha taught these people about Anivus, about humility, perhaps Tefillah, asking for help from Makash Borchu, and this remedied the situation. Thus continues our shot about Shadim, etc., as being the X factor within creation, mostly psychological. It could also be other things like dangerous objects or robbers or germs, etc. But here, once again, it has to do with the inner Ashmadai. In Abaye, this happened in the Academy of Abaye. So he's a great, great, great sage. The Gemara is called. The inquiries of Abayan Rabbah, Havayus, Abayan Rabbah. They are sniffing around what's going on. That's how great he was. This is his academy that happened in. And he was an expert in many topics, not just engineering and medicine, but demonology. He makes statements about Shadim. So, Shadim could happen to anyone. <laughs> so you might think, oh, he's such an expert in Shadim, maybe he... Keep them away. The answer is that character defects or danger could happen to any person. And Abaye had an interesting incident about this sort of Einhari Tzahara kind of deal. Abaye's wife, Choma, was the great granddaughter of Rabbi Huda. Choma was already twice widowed when he married her, and Abaye too passed away shortly after marrying her. This was Abaye's second marriage, it seems. He already had children. 
at least two of them were etc. Ayn Sham in the biographies. And yes, he was a Cohen from the house of Ailey. There was a curse placed on Ailey's descendants, they would die young. However, by engaging in Torah study and prodigious acts of kindness, Abaye was able to soften this decree and live for 60 years. Rosh Hashanah, After his death, the Sheba was headed by Rabbah, who then relocated it to the city of Mahuza. And uh, I guess maybe not coincidentally, Rabbah's in the next Kamora. But they do say a lot of statements, don't they? In any event, uh, you know, he's somebody who had uh, curses chasing him his entire life, and he was fighting them off. He, he himself studies Torah. He brings in Ravacha to get rid of the, the damager. Very, very beautiful and admirable. And he was an expert in demonology. He has a PhD in demonology. I'd like to get some of that. That would be interesting. Okay. Next Gemara. Further down the page. All right. So Rav Huna, here's a story. He wouldn't look at somebody who wasn't married. Ayn Sham. We're still in Chav Tessim Rav Huna is according to his own reasoning. If, you're, if you hit 20 and you're not married, all your days are in sin. And the implication there is going and acting on your desires with inappropriate, with, with women and inappropriate methods. Does a person sin every day? Even if, if he's a tzaddik, does he, is he going to be intimate with people like that? Whoa. He won't have paspasalo. He won't have an outlet and a focus for his personal desires. Therefore, he will have hirhorim. He'll think about inappropriate thoughts. And those could could not healthy for a person, as we know from the Hashmadai, etc. A person has to attach that on to someone. Attachment bonds. Um in person go Gamorna Bodhazara, someone looks at things that might bring Hirhor and Motizera Lobatala, etc. Averos later in the day. It's a snowball effect. Amaraba, Vachin Tana de Baby Shmal, Rabba taught, and so taught the Academy Rabbi Shmal. Ad Khafshana until twenty years. Akash Baruchu sits and waits and pines, stares. Metzafal Adam gazes at a man. Matayis Isha. When will you marry? Get married. Once he reaches 20 and he's not married, Tipach Atzmosav. His bones will swell. His bones will explode. So, you know, what does it... Why, why should someone get cursed if they can't find a shidduch? Maybe it's circumstantial. Maybe it got sabotage. Why does someone... It sounds like it's a curse. Why should someone get a curse if they are not married? So, Harvey Yochanan Zweig, the Rosh Hashiva Emeritus of the Talmudic University of Florida, Yeshiva Shbesh Moshe Chaim, he said a shot, and it really is... Makes the rest of the Gemara read very smoothly. It's the gateway for the rest of the Gemara. It's not a curse. What it means is as follows. When the older a person gets, the more they're set in their ways. So they 
get married, the later they get married, the harder they have a time adjusting and uprooting their behaviors and habits and their psyche and connecting with another person, compromising, changing. Getting married younger, there's a detriment that they lack experience, but they themselves have not yet become set in their ways, so it becomes much easier to forge that marital identity together. So tipachatzmosav means a person has to metaphorically, you know, smash apart their bones. They need to, as I once, as, as a friend of mine once said at a Shavuot you're about to get smashed into a million pieces and put back together. <laughs> so you know, you re, a person has to re, reconstruct themselves, reconstitute themselves, in order to. Get married, beautiful shop. And that's what the rest of the Gemara is talking about. Amr of Chister of Chister says, I am greater than my colleagues because I got married at 16. If I got married at 14, I would say to the Satan, I have an arrow in your eye. Okay, so again, the, the life expectancy was shorter back then. They didn't have high school, college, university, grad school, this whole extended adulthood thing, which is a big problem. And indeed, it's leading to a vera. People got married and they were teenagers, having children, and women are physically developed in their teen years. It is true. It was not as strange and disturbing. He could, so he could have slaughtered his Yitzhahara. He, if he got married younger, he could have subjugated his, his uh, inclinations. Again, Ra doesn't always mean evil, but things that are temporal that have breakages. Listen to the Ashmedai three-set podcast. Uh, okay, so... Rabbi said to Rabbi Nassim Bar-Ami, So while your hand is still on his neck, sorry, I put a square around here. Sorry. While your hand is still on the neck of your son, from 16 until 22, or from 18 to 24, that is when you should um, teach him and then have him get married. Because that's when he'll listen to your tochacha. You can set him straight when he's young. Ketanai, it's like a machlokas tanoim. Chanach lenar pidarko, educate the youth according to his way. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Nehemiah, Chad Amar, one says from 16 to 22, one says from 18 to 24. Wow. We definitely would expect that to be when children are much, much younger. Interesting. Wow. That's, I mean, we spend a lot of time educating, molding, disciplining, consequencing children. But the truth is... It only has so much of an effect. We try very hard, but really just giving general safe boundaries and general love and curiosity, that's really most of what we do to a child. Everything else is molding them too much. We can only give people sophisticated chinuch at an older age. So the counter-argument is that, you know, it's being very, you know, overly specific. You know, of course you're giving chinuch to your kid, Anytime they're around you and when they're young, but perhaps the true deep chinuch is when they're t- 
teenager, early 20s, and they actually start listening and having a more independent opinion. Obviously, they're not always listening. They do their own thing, but they're more, you know, they get more sedentary. They get more schmoozy, and they still will disagree with you with your face and then say the same thing to their friend. So I don't mean listen to heed. I mean listen, uh, hear you out. You can have some more conversations and mechanic them. Um, and Rav, why is Rav Chista here? Well, the answer is in the Gemara. Because why does Rav Chista say this opinion? Because he himself experienced this. He's giving testimony about this um, situation. So putting it all together, when person is very young and they cannot get married. They start to get older, develop hirhorim. If they can get married, they can get rid of the hirhorim, but it could be a problem if they have to work. So it depends on where people live. It depends on how much money they have. Ideally, psychologically, if a man has a job and a home and then gets married, it really solves a lot of problems. It's not just that couples fight over money. That's just the most intense gasoline that'll cause the most stress. But couples fight because they don't have communication skills and they themselves are not healthy and healed and differentiated. So in any event, it solves a lot of complex problems uh, to, get mar- to get married when you have a home and a income, but it's hard to do when you're 14, 16, 18. Even nowadays, you'd say getting married at 18 and 19 is minimum appropriate age. Don't look too closely at your state guidelines. You might be able to get married when you're younger with parental consent. But uh, just getting married at 18, it's not as reasonable, but people try their best to get the income and the Torah study. This is indexing. This is number seven, this whole passage here. And Rav Chista. Right. He's mentioned because he, he experienced this. By Rava. Okay. Interestingly, Rava studied under Rav Chista in Surah, the top, the... Gamora says that Rava and his colleague Rami Barhama were once sitting in the presence of Rabchista while he was holding his young daughter in his lap. Rabchista said as a joke, which of these two men do you want for your husband? She said to her father, both of them. Rava thought this to be a little Navua. So he thought whoever marries her first will die. So Rava says, I'll marry her last. This came true. Rami Barhama married of Christa's daughter, he passed away, and then Rava married her. So it's interesting that he is teaching so extensively about marriage. This student, Rabbi Nassim Barami, I couldn't find anything about him. I looked in several places. If you know who it is, especially if it's obvious, let me know. Safaria has him as Rabbi Nassim Habavli. I do not believe that's who he is because they lived in very different times, very different generations and times. So I don't think that I don't think that's who it is here. But let me know. As for Tana Debir Bishmal Rav Yehuda, 
And Rabbi Nehemiah, I did not see anything specifically related to parenting or chinuch, etc. So I don't, I don't want to stuff any ideas into here. But they were a great rabbanim, part of the Masora of teaching. The takeaway today is that we can just try our best with whatever society we're in, try to get rid of, try to marry, try to make a living. Uh, just try your best. Perfectionism is not going to help. And the final lesson is that we should all try to have adaptability. We should not have to bust apart our bones, metaphorically speaking, in order to uh, get married or to get involved in new relationships or business endeavors. Adaptability, accepting change is extremely important. People have a tremendously hard time accepting change. That brings anger, sadness, frustration. But those who humble themselves, reduce their anxiety, reduce their frustration, are able to learn new things, skills, jobs, adapt to relationships, not to be rigid and stubborn in our own behavior. So may we all merit to keep being able to be adaptable and find authentic connection and success. Thank you for listening to the Yom Yun podcast. Agados in Gitten. Please email me with comments or questions. Rabbi Bailey at gmail.com.